you know, you're at McKinsey and you're doing this, you did it all right, right? In quotes, you did right. the thing, you got the job, you got the money, you're doing the accolades. And then you're like, well, shit, like, but I'm not happy. Well, why do I feel this why way? Why do yeah. I feel this way? And I think this kind of crisis of mind self is what a lot of people I think are gonna be facing or probably facing right now. And then I got into to psychedelics like 10 years ago and that was also quite transformative and began to open me up and soften me up and, mm -hmm. and allowed me to kind of start down a different path. My life used to feel like I was stuck on autopilot, trapped in the same thought loops, worries, and fears. Then something major happened. Enter psychedelics. My name is Kat Walsh and you're listening to Trip On This. Join me as we journey together into these mysterious realms, discussing everything from personal transformation, otherworldly experiences, and practical at-home tips. Welcome, fellow traveler, to the land of limitless possibilities. Welcome back, my friends. It's your host, Kat. And today's episode is with Neil Markey. He's the CEO and co-founder of the Beckley Retreats in Jamaica. They're a psilocybin mushroom retreat center, and we get into this journey of how he actually got here. And that's the interesting part about this episode. Neil started his career really in the army, worked his way up to be an army ranger. Then he went into the corporate world and through this story, finds himself now paired up with Amanda Fielding. They teamed up to create Beckley Retreats, a psilocybin mushroom retreat center in Jamaica. So you can imagine the arcs and the different stories and paths that he had to go on to ultimately land here. And finally, you all know that we're in the world of algorithms, right? The way that Trip on This grows is through ratings and reviews of this podcast. And so my ask of you all that are listening or watching this episode is if you can pause right now and head over and rate, whether it's on podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or on YouTube, comment, give it a thumbs up, whatever the medium that you're on right now, it would be so very helpful for me. So with that, I pass it over to Neil Markey. Neil Markey, thank you so much for being here. CEO and co-founder of the Beckley Retreats. You guys are doing psilocybin retreats in Jamaica. I am so looking forward to this conversation, talking about how Beckley stands apart in this retreat space and what you guys are doing over there, but also learning about you. You've worn a lot of different hats in this life. You've got a lot of really cool perspective and would love to take people on the journey about how you got here. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Looking forward to it. So let's start with your time as an army ranger. I think a lot of us, most of us, I would say, really have no idea of really what that means or what that experience is like. And I would love to start just by understanding how did that experience color your perception of the world or mm. said another way, how do you feel it changed you? Yeah, it was. So I started my military career in the big army or the regular army. I had an infantry platoon and went to Iraq and then got an opportunity to go try out for the range regiment. It's actually a lot of luck, you know, like the stars have to align mm -hmm. a really small organization. And, and I got, a, I got a bit lucky and got a chance to go try out and then got selected and went to second ranger battalion. And, you know, I was much more of like a support guy. I was, a, I was a captain and kind of was coordinating a lot of the missions and things when we were overseas. Mm -hmm. So the hats are really off to the rangers that were kind of 
and the, the young enlisted men that were that were really sacrificing. But you know, part of me, part of me loved it. It was, it was exciting. The caliber of soldier of guy was really high. You know, everybody wanted to be there. Was proud to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, we worked with the three letter agencies, and you know, the mission set was super exciting. You were going after kind of high level leadership of the of Taliban and Al Qaeda and. You know, Leroy Petrie got the Medal of Honor when I was there. Mm. Obama was talking about the missions that the guys were doing pretty frequently. So it was this like really storied time to be there and it's quite exciting. But at the same time, it was it was really traumatic. I mean, guys were getting hurt quite regularly. We had quite a few guys pass when I was there. You know, I ended up staying back one deployment and then was doing notifications. So I was going and telling the families of the Rangers that were killed kind of what had happened and it was just it was thick and you know not only were were guys getting hurt and killed overseas but like the mental health was really bad yeah. you know we had three suicides in 90 days oh one my time yeah in a in a pretty small unit and it, yeah and you know by the time you know my first deployment with the rangers was in 2009 and the rangers were the first people to get into Afghanistan after September 11th and they never really stopped deploying. So by the time I had gotten there, there was guys that had done their 10th or 11th deployment, Mm. you know? So yeah, it's like, it's kind of hard to articulate just how thick the, the trauma was, you know, and it was, it was, it was really hard, you know, and it left marks on me and I was a fortunate one. You know, I only, I was quite removed from the worst of it. And, and I only did two deployments where there was guys that were in it, in it and did dozens. And yeah. So how did it affect me? I mean, you become pretty mechanical, you become pretty closed off. It's, it's not a healthy environment for human beings. And you're in this kind of constant state of fight or flight. You're always on alert. You're always ready to fight. And then when you're in that mode, it's a, it's a, it's a mode of the body. Mm. A lot of those kind of higher level functions shut down. So, you know, being able to feel empathy and love and close connectedness, like those just go out the window and you become quite closed off. And I think that's what drives a lot of the, the, a lot of the mental health issues is, is that disconnection. So I have a quick question about you were mentioning there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement and a lot of accolades and I'm sure from do you feel that there was a little bit of a balance of like there was a lot of pride and like talking about like this is what I'm doing and like the way that the world receives you when you mention like I'm an army ranger and that the way that what's mirrored back to you is like probably like wow that's so exciting that's so great and then on the flip side it's kind of like a cognitive distance a little bit like I am hurting a lot but there's like this other piece that the world is telling me I'm I'm doing great and like there's a lot of star power in it right do you, uh, did yeah. you experience that at all yeah I mean abs- absolutely it was cool I mean it was a cool thing it was a big ego boost to be in the Rangers I yeah. mean you you wear your resume on your uniform totally. so everybody knows who you are and it's you know you're behind these locked gates and you know, it's, there's definitely a lot of ego involved. Yeah. And you're getting that feedback from people that it's like, it is notable that what you're doing and, and, and the guys do deserve the, mm-hmm. the, rec- the, the recognition 
for sure. But it's just uh, now I am more mindful about, you know, choosing things based on ego versus based on alignment with my kind of core values and what I want to bring into the world. You just have to be careful about, you know, choosing things because you want to have a you want people to think that you're cool or yeah, totally, it's, totally. it's fancy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I used I to had... work at a, a talent agency and I finally got to the conclusion that the, the best part about my job was telling people what I did. <laughs> Otherwise, like I had so, I was struggling with it so much, but it was because I got to talk to movie stars every day. And I thought was like everybody just like that feedback. I was like, this is my favorite part. And then eventually you're you burn out from that. That's right. not going to sustain you. Yeah, that you. doesn't fill you up. That's yeah, not going to do it. That doesn't fill you up. No. Yeah, and I, so I, you know, I, I got way off base, I would say, in the military, chasing kind of maybe that, some of that ego stuff. And then I got off base again in the corporate world, you know, so I had to get it. I had to get that life lesson a couple times yeah, before totally. I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, I mean, that's, I, that's, I get that's, it. that's the young man's game or young woman's yeah. game, right? In our 20s, we, 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 yeah. we go off in a direction that we think we're supposed to do that society tells us we're supposed to do. And then we got to figure it out on our own. So yeah. why don't we talk about, so you, you went in, you were, you were a ranger, then you go into the corporate world. Talk to us about Talk to us about how would you describe yourself at that time from a personality well, sense? Like how, how did you look at the world? How did you view it? Because I'm asking this because later in this conversation, I want to ask how it's changed since. Yeah. Well, I mean, I got out in 2012, so 10 years ago. And my first step was I went to grad school. I went to Columbia University for grad school and did a dual degree there. And I was, I was struggling. I mean, I was doing well professionally. Mm-hmm. Was it a good school? Had been like a highly ranked officer. And in that first year was getting like very prestigious job offers. So by a lot of measures, you know, was doing was thumbs up. Sure. But yeah, I was I went through a divorce, you know, and then I, you know, left left the brotherhood. The mission was gone. I had this realization that everything kind of in front of me was was really just about money. And given where I kind of grew up and, you know, thought about that it just was a bit, I was a fish out of water when I was in New York for those few years and actually hit a bit of a, a rock bottom, I would say. But through that rock bottom, I found some of these things that now are huge parts of my life. And I think of like saved my life and, and, and enriched my life. So I'm in some way kind of like fortunate that I got put to my knees, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I didn't have, I was, I was just really, really, really struggling. And when, I mean, when I was in grad school, it was, you know, part of me was very felt gratitude, you know, being able to go to school and, but I was also like, I was very angry. And I remember being like angry in my mind. I I had a, I had a pretty likable exterior, you know, I Mm -hmm. could fake the funk, but in my mind, I was really angry at a lot of the students that, you know, for the last 10 years had just been kind of like living life and, mm-hmm. oh, the others, these wars, whatever, you know, yeah. and I was, I, I, I didn't, I, I like really was mad at them about that. And it took me kind of quite some time to be like, you know, unwind out of that and not judge everybody for not taking the service past that path that me and my friends had taken. Mm-hmm. So, um, but then, you know, I got into, you know, meditation was huge for me. I stumbled into that and that was transformative. And then I got into to psychedelics like 10 years ago. And that was also quite transformative and began to open me up and soften me up and, Mm -hmm. and allowed me to kind of start down a different, a different path. Yeah. So in the, in the corporate world, thank you for that. When you were, 
when so did you stumble upon meditation and whatnot that that those kind of practices while you were still working in the corporate world or it was when you, I was, was there a catalyst was, did you leave first no well it was when I was in grad school and oh, okay. then I got introduced to meditation and I really kind of went deep on it because I had this I just it takes a meditation takes time yeah. but I had this like really deep intuitive sense that it, I needed it and mm-hmm. I ended up I, I like studied it I went on a lot of different long form programs I ended up doing like a teacher certification in meditation at Jefferson University I was teaching meditation and then I finished grad school and I had this period after grad school where I was doing well I was I was heading in a positive direction because I was doing all of the things right I was in nature I was working on this small business with my brother that was close to home I was meditating frequently I was not drinking I was all the well-being things I was doing and magically you know your anxiety goes away and you kind of feel that there's this different way of of living that's not so frantic and more in sync more flow and but then I ended up taking one of these fancy jobs and ended up at McKinsey and company and you know it it was interesting because you know part of me loved it intellectually stimulating and again here's the ego coming back the sure. ego loved that position because you get a lot of that feedback right oh oh mckinsey wow oh, you must God. be all these things yeah you love you know and you it's hard to not get kind of caught up in that and i was also had the opportunity of of, of co-leading the internal mindfulness program which mm. was like cool it was something i was passionate about mm-hmm. uh, it never really been done before but that began this period of my life after you know a handful of years of heading in the right direction, kind of heading in the wrong direction. Gotcha. And my well-being certainly started to backslide mm-hmm. because the nature, the environment just wasn't the right environment for me. The work wasn't in alignment with me. And, you know, even if you're not on a daily basis thinking about it with your thinking mind, like, oh, this work is not for me. And oh, this work, it's your body knows. Yeah. You know, your body certainly knows, right? Absolutely. And it's giving you signals, it's trying to tell you. But a lot of times we drown those out, you know, and, and that's what I, and I ended up doing that. And then, you know, had this period where I, I would say I kind of went off track. I think a lot of people are dealing with that, unfortunately, and like don't know how to get out of it because I, I actually just had a, a conversation speaking just about that. And it's like, there's so much fear though. It's like a lot, of, I think a lot of us know that like the type of work that we're doing, I certainly, when I was back in my corporate life was not right for me because first of all, my nervous system was talk about unregulated like I couldn't even, I didn't even know what it meant to like feel calm, to be honest. There was yeah, right. such a, a constant, am I okay? Like, did I do everything? Am I, you know, like, and trying to unwind that is, I think the journey that many, many people are going to be on. And especially when you talk about the accolades and, you know, you're at McKinsey and you're doing this, you did it all right, right? In quotes, you did right. the thing, you got the job, you got the money, you're doing the accolades. And then you're like, well, shit. Like, but I'm not happy. Well, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way? And I think this kind of crisis of mind self is what a lot of people I think are going to be facing or probably facing right now. And I think that's the exciting part about psychedelics is that you begin to go like, okay, I can, I can continue to ignore the the signs and this is going to continue to get worse or I'm going to have to make some, some different choices or put new boundaries in my work or mm-hmm. whatever to create a sustainable path for myself. Yeah. So, yeah. so now talk to me about 
the psychedelic journey now. So you're you're kind of you slot you're sliding down a little bit. When is the moment where you're like, I got to get out? Where do psychedelics come in? What's the kind of the well, path around there? Yeah, I, so I got in I got into psychedelics in grad school. So it was really kind of through the meditation people that I had met, and then had my first psilocybin experience. You know, I had tried psychedelics recreationally in my youth. I had never done them with intention, kind of with a trained facilitator as a way to heal. And I, I had some of those experiences and those were like, boom, whoa, wow. You know? And, and so the, it was, it was a part of my life for quite a handful of years through grad school, after grad school. And I had some really good friends that are really good friends of mine today that kind of like, you know, knew that I needed some help and were helping me. And, and then, yeah, it McKinsey, you know, I still, it, it was, it took, time like so you know i kind of went there with this like pretty firm meditation practice and kind of you know was definitely living differently and it didn't like flip overnight but over those handful of years um i definitely slipped backwards like my meditation practice kind of you know it went down and then it went away and then you know i started drinking more I, i'm not like taking care of myself so my central nervous system's more out of alignment so then i the alcohol slips back in and then you kind of get into those cycles and then i'm around people that aren't asking me deep questions about my fulfillment in life and purpose mm. and it's more about money and the other things and so it just was it is this compounding thing and you know i was at McKinsey for a few years. And then I did private equity, which was even worse was like, not that there's not great people that do do that work. But for me personally, it's just like, it's toxic. And, and I'll never do it again. I don't care how much money them offered. And so I just ended up in like a, a pretty bad place. But it was, you know, I, I had at this point, I knew better, I, I had had a period years prior where I was like, ah, I get it, you know, like, so I, I, you know, I kind of hit a bit of another rock bottom. I wouldn't say it was as bad as when I was in graduate school, but it was close. And so then I left and, and then this was a few years ago and I knew how to be well, I had been, I had been well before. So it was basically just getting back to the basics and removing all the BS, simplifying my life and getting back to meditation. And then I ended up in Mexico and then, you know, got back into the psychedelic scene and was spending a lot of time with the Weechol, which is the indigenous people there that have been using, you know, peyote and psilocybin for millennia. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then this whole thing with Beckley retreats has kind of come out of that, but it's been very organic, you know, in, which I think is like a really good signal that like, I'm back on, right track. I'm back on a right track. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. How do we get people to care more about meditation? You obviously had taught about it. And I feel like there's a lot of, there's still a lot of, <clears throat> you know, I roll when it's brought up and I, I no shame because I remember not that long ago where meditation was one of those things like, yeah, 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 I know I should, but like X, Y, Z there's, there was just a resistance to wanting to do it. Like, how do we, how do we, what's another way through to talk to people? Is it about like human potential? You know, right. like it's, there's gotta be like new words or something that we need to be like, everything that you want to feel is not outside of you. It starts yeah. inside. Like there's, there's no, you can f keep chasing, but eventually if you want something to change, it's got to be in turned inside. But like, how right. do we say, I think everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, 
I know What's it's the like thing? <laughs> I know it's just it's tough because there's so much noise out there and then the one thing you really need to be able to cut through the noise with these practices <laughs> meditation yeah. it's so consistent across like the spiritual traditions it's like not an uh, oh my maybe by the way meditate it's like no it's the it's the way it's yeah. like the thing you need to do it is the it is the foundation yeah. but it gets lost in the noise is just like another thing and I mean I come at it to me it's this like life-changing practice that is like beyond words it's like you can't fully appreciate how profound the changes can be I don't usually start there with people. I start with like, it can make you a better leader because Mm -hmm. that's true too. Yeah, It can make you more empathetic. It can make you a better strategic thinker. It can make you more creative. So I come at it from like a performance enhancing lens because I know that's where people are at. And like, I wouldn't have cared about meditation, you know, outside of that, unless I had gotten, you know, I got brought to my knees and it was like, I, I, I needed something. So I was, I was lucky in that sense. But yeah, I talk a lot of times about performance enhancement and like, look at the research, you know, yeah. like, look at the, look at the, look at the data, you know what I mean? It's just meditation is not a good business model. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's, it's not, but I, I actually love it's the fact not that like, you come at it from human potential. Like, I think that is a really interesting way to get, to, to get through. It's like, if we can't, if, if it's not about like happiness, fulfillment, peace, state of mind, like, okay, well, what are the things you care about now? Oh, you want to like crush it at work? Well, just start with five minutes, just five minutes of silence every day. And I think, you know, just as, as more people talk about like thoughts, you can't control the thoughts. Thoughts are going to come up. You just let them go. And the thing is, it's a, it is literally a practice. Yeah. You, you just, it's like five minutes, five minutes turns to 10 minutes. I remember the beginning of meditation was just me chatting and then getting down on myself because I thought I wasn't doing it right because I couldn't calm my mind down. And then I would give up because the ego doesn't like to be bad at anything. So somehow I was bad at it and I didn't want to do something I was bad at in my mind. That's how I had kind of looked at it. And I, if I'm looking at it that way, I'm sure there's other people that are like, get down on themselves as well. And, and you know, the, the thing that I think is just, it's just the consistency of showing up and eventually you start getting some space and it might just be 10 seconds mm-hmm. of space where there's not a thought. And then that space turns into 15 seconds. And then maybe you, maybe you can get to 30 seconds or a minute where, you know, you're having like, there's been no thoughts. And then all of a sudden the thought comes in. It's like, that was nice. And you're like, do we, do we have to, but all right, we're going to comment about it. But you know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, I think it's bite-sized too. Like if you say to somebody 15, 30 minutes, that's a lot. But if you say start with five, start with 10 minutes and just yeah. quiet. Yeah. You know? I mean, and I know, I mean, I'm thinking about this stuff all the time because to me, all this work that we're doing really with psychedelics yeah. and the comprehensive programs, at the if you really want to boil it down, I'm just trying to get people to meditate more. I'm trying to get people to make it a bigger <laughs> yeah. part of their life. Yeah. And and I think that the psychedelic experiences can kind of like be a, a catalyst. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I just hope that all of us can take the time to meditate more and it would transform our yeah. lives, our relationships our communities it's like it, it's really is profound yeah i think you're right though i think psychedelics is going to be really an amazing path because uh, thankfully there's a lot of talk around integration now and 
closing your eyes and trying to understand your experience because no one can really tell you what your experience was. You're the only one in it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's nothing, there's no spiritual teacher on TikTok or the internet that can tell you about your psychedelic trip and what some of the symbolism or messages meant. And so I think, and also like what you guys are doing with Beckley and, and creating structure for people that are wanting to commit it, it, I think it's nice to have that little bit of structure that gets people like, okay, it's like a scheduled almost like, okay, this is a thing that I have to do. And then, and then it starts mm -hmm. to feel really good. And then you start to want to do it on your own. But I yeah. think it's nice to have that structure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's, so, it's definitely. Yeah. So, so tell me about just how psychedelics now have impacted you. How have, how do you think they've changed your life in the way that you move through the world as opposed to, you know, I know you started them in college, but now you're obviously working with them in a very different way, right? You're, you're, you're at a retreat center. Your wellness is your focus now. And I'd love to know how your intentional psilocybin use or any molecule for that matter has helped you become a better leader, a better just person, friend, family member. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not even remotely close to having figured all this out yet. Right. Like I'm, very much on my own personal journey of discovery and trying to be better kind of each day. And I've had many, many periods where I've slipped the wrong way and have had to recreate, recorrect. And, you know, I've had many continued challenges along the way, but if you look at where I was, you know, I kind of 10 years ago was a pivot point because that's where I got out and kind of had my first experiences to now, I would say I'm, more patient. I'm more kind. I don't have this kind of as much. It's still there to some extent. I don't have this like overwhelming anxiety behind everything. Mm. I remember when I was in the service and then it came back to me at McKinsey and Company. It was like, oh, wow, it's bad again. I remember feeling rushed when I was brushing my teeth in the morning. I and at the same time, knowing that I'm not in a hurry to brush my teeth, like it's ridiculous, but like that, like noticing that mode, right? Like my mode is different. I'm not, I'm not in fight or flight as frequently, you know, and that's a real, that's a real gift. And it's constant work, right? Because like, it's constant work. You just, it, it's very easy for fear to get in there and I, I'm the same thing. I'm very much like on the journey and, and like, I've got good yeah. days and you know, you're an, ex, an expansion, an expansive state where you're trusting the universe and you're trusting the flow of your life. And you're like, it's cool. I don't need all the answers. I got this. And then two days later, all of a sudden you're worrying about the future and why haven't this person gone back to me in an email and like, right. And it's just the constant, like how quickly can we get back to center? Exactly. Is, yeah. is the name of the game out here. So cool. So let's exactly. start getting into uh, to Beckley retreats. You, so when, how was the meeting, how the meeting happened with Amanda Fielding? And for those listening, Amanda Fielding is kind of a legend out here, a pioneer in the psychedelic space. She created the Beckley Foundation in 1998, was it? Yeah, And so she's been doing this for a while. How she's... did she come onto your radar? How'd you meet? Yeah, I mean, She's a legend. She's a, like a walking icon. And not only is she brilliant, I mean, I think that's pretty clear. You meet her, you're like, oh, wow, this is another level brilliance. But yeah, she yeah. has such an amazing heart. She's so kind. And uh, she'll 
pretty casually say that she sees psychedelics as a way to change the world. You know, like she's kind of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, they can completely change society. Okay, yeah, I agree, um, Amanda. <laughs> and I, 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 I agree too. She's just she's she's really a special human being, and I got connected with her. It was when I was I was in Mexico, and I was kind of running these programs there around psilocybin and i had been on a lot of programs myself in the past so i was just you know taking things that i had seen from mbsr from vipassana from whatever and then putting them together and doing half day programs and then full day programs and then multi-day programs and and then i was like well i i want to i'm gonna i want to do this this is this is like my life's work i love this stuff i know we're helping people the time is now, yeah. like the world is ready. Mm -hmm. So let's figure out a way to do this in a real way. And then I started looking for, for partners. I was like, I got to find other people that, that believe this. And I went, had gone to grad school with Dan Love, who was one of the founding members of Beckley Waves, along with Amanda and her sons and a few other supporters. And their mission was to take the work, you know, the foundation was great, continue, let, let them continue leading the research. Um, but to really get this stuff out there to the world, there's a whole infrastructure and stuff that needs to be built and it needs to be done ethically. Mm -hmm. So their thesis was, we're going to go kind of raise money and then we're going to find this next generation of entrepreneurs that are working in this field that are doing it for the right reasons and we're going to support them mm -hmm. and it was through that so through beckley waves and my connection with dan and then they had been wanting it's actually the story is kind of wild they had been wanting to get into the retreats for quite some time because they saw that as being the best delivery method right yeah. they 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 thought that it would be better than clinics with the you know in metropolitan areas it's like the set and settings better in nature groups better comprehensive program better digital detox better so they were like retreats are kind of you know maybe not as easy for people to get their mind around at first but like it's going to be get better outcomes mm -hmm. and so they were looking for someone that they thought could build a retreats business and and they apparently even said in one of their board meetings they're like if we could find a veteran that would be amazing because veterans are talking about this stuff. They're leading the charge mm -hmm. um, around psychedelics and healing. And so they were looking for someone that could like lead retreats. And then I'm leading scrappy retreats in Mexico. And it's just, then we got connected. It was like, oh, okay, this is great. Oh you my know, God. Perfect. I mean, that, that, that's like, talk about when you, I mean, this is probably woo woo for, I'm not sure where you stand, but it's, I look at things as like, look at the, look at the, divine tapestry of your life like you're in uh, columbia no, and you think you're just going to school like school and you're in the corporate like why am i here but oh you know one of the big reasons you need to be there was you need to be dan love and dan right. love ends up years later being this like major connection for you meanwhile it's like that roomy quote what you seek is seeking you and it's like the two of you were just like yeah. it was always going to be and I always that's like something I love to like remind people to and of when we get scared about like what's next and all this stuff is like coming back to all of those chance meetings and all of that like wow isn't this crazy isn't this wild but it's kind of like yeah like if you start leaning into like this is a mysterious magical experience that we're having out here and 
signs and synchronicities and messages and people like it's it feels like some larger plan and like when you kind of like zoom out to see like wow every step of the journey needed to happen for this moment and like what a cool thought and and for all of us right but specifically for you two yeah it's it's miraculous you know and i i love that einstein quote you know i think he was he saw this and he said you know there's two ways to live your life one is as if nothing's a miracle and the other is as if everything's a miracle Mm. and the more you, you, you know, humble ourselves to realize that there's things that are beyond our ability to fully rationalize, but that doesn't mean that they're not there. And then kind of open to it, then, then more of these miracles can kind of come in and it's really, it, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, miracle readiness. Miracle readiness. There miracle you go. Readiness. Yeah. You're just like miracle, just ready for miracles all the time. It's like the opposite. It's just, it's the antidote to like always thinking something bad's going to happen. It's like, what, what if you like flipped it to always thinking a miracle could happen? Like every moment you step outside your door, you never know who you're going to meet. Yeah, or what's exactly. Happen, so yeah, cool. So, okay. Let's talk about Beckley retreats. What are you guys doing over there? What sets you guys apart in, you know, your approach to this space? Yeah. So we're, we're primarily operating in Jamaica mm-hmm. and we think about the retreats as just like a component of a program, mm-hmm. you know, so our programs are 11 weeks, which includes an in-person retreat, but they start with four weeks of digital preparation and everything we do is in cohorts, groups. So you get the group dynamic started early, which is quite important. And then, you know, we teach some of these basic well-being practices. So we teach meditation, we teach breath work, we encourage some healthy diet changes. We encourage people to be mindful about this thing, the phone and technology and, you know, what we're putting into our mind and what we're putting into our bodies, you know, just bring some awareness to that. So we do that for four weeks digitally. And then, you know, the retreat is a continuation of a lot of those well-being practices, but then we get to do it in nature. We get to do it as a group. And then we also get to do psilocybin sessions. And we do two psilocybin sessions over the course of those five nights, six days. Mm -hmm. And those are really, they're, they're special, you know, they're profound, even if folks have done psilocybin recreationally or maybe have done like a one-on-one ketamine session or something with a therapist in a clinic this is different this Mm -hmm. is quite different and uh, it's beautiful it's you know we we you know we the beckley's ethos you know is like good data and scientific rigor and like we we lean on that like we know that we need to like professionalize this industry so that more people can get access to it and so we have like good protocols and standards around things but we also bring in some of the indigenous tradition Love that, right so you get people can kind of get an exposure to that we don't say that this is it we just say this is a way this is um, an approach and so we get to do that together in in jamaica and then on the back end super important you know from a neuroscience perspective it looks like on high dose psilocybin the brain goes into this malleable state where you can kind of make change more easily. Yep. And so you have this window of opportunity and you know, it's a, it's a few weeks where if you're conscious about it and you like do the work, 
then you can kind of lay in these new patterns. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do over the course of that six weeks digitally. You know, it's a, it's a weekly call and then some asynchronous kind of self-directed exercises to like kind of help lay in the new patterning. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's 11 week total program. Cool. How long is that malleability in the brain? Like, so you do a psilocybin journey. How long does the brain stay in a state where it can? Four to four to eight weeks. Wow, you know, and, after. yeah, and you know, it's we need more research, but this is kind of like, you know, each each compound it's a bit dose dependent, and then different compounds have kind of bigger bigger windows. But yeah, psilocybin is weeks. Wow, cool. Um, and yeah. what what kind of doses are you guys working with there? Is it are like an eighth, five grams? Are are you going very heavy per um, person? It's it's per person, but it's in that you know, two to five gram range, but it's a decision between the individual and the whoever's leading the session to say, hey, you know, and it's a function of a lot of different things, right? It's like, what's the history of trauma, you know, kind of how, how ready are they? If, if there's a lot of anxiety coming into the session, a lot of times we'll go less, you know, mm-hmm. and then they can learn how to steer and see it's not so scary and then can go larger on the next session. Cool. And, and when you were saying, you know, it's different and is it because of the environment? Is it because you're in a group ceremony? You know, I'm thinking as somebody who's say like an experienced person with mushrooms recreationally or even their own, you know, private journeys and then going into a group setting, is there, is there kind of a shaman or medicine person that's there holding the space? You, you're probably a good example of how does the experience differ for you based on the fact that you've had plenty of experiences before and then what this experience is about. Yeah. It, it's, it's hard to describe. It's richer, it's deeper, it's mm. broader. Or when you're, when you do, I think all these things, all of the things matter, like what you just mentioned, like the set and setting matters being mm-hmm. kind of deeper in nature is better yeah. doing it in a group, I think is, is better. There's certainly something that's happening in the group. I mean, that is, not that there's not benefit in one-on-one stuff, but that but there's something unique to doing it as a group. And then there's something really magical, miraculous, when you get a team of these practitioners together that have done lots of this work together, and and they're also musicians, and they mm-hmm. they they have the great ritual, and it's just it's a, kind of hard to describe. You have to like watch it, but they mm-hmm. they're they're artists. They're they're gifted in this work. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something really special there. It's, it sounds like it. And I love, you know, there is really something about the group experience and I'm really going to be watching very carefully how people are studying group experiences. I'm, I'm going to be very looking forward to seeing the data around that too, because there is something ineffable. And I know that's, it was a tough question to ask because there's a definitely an, an ineffable group mind almost experience that can happen when a lot of people are on psychedelics together. And, you know, you're here, you can also hear a lot about like telepathy and, and a lot of, I'm not saying that happens there, but like there's studies around, you know, there's, there's more going on in the, when, when minds get together on psychedelics that like things that could be potentially supernatural take place. I'm not saying that happens at Beckley, but just from my own personal experience. And I know there's some studies around that. Look, and I, I've gotten pretty humble here because I, 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 my, my, un, I did my undergrad in math. I was like a very, I'm a very analytical thinker. Mm-hmm. 
um, and a natural skeptic. And I think that's not a bad thing. I think it's good to have some, you know, skepticism. But if you like peel back the onion, you know, if you look at the physics of things and you kind of look at what's agreed upon scientific fact, it's like the smallest kind of unit that that makes up stuff, us, that we're all compilations of is like a quark. And and quarks, everybody agrees they come out of a vacuum from nowhere. <laughs> like, like, okay. Mm-hmm. So science agrees that, that we're all, you know, part, we're all built on these things that are essentially come out of nothingness. All right. You know, so there's this, and there's many of these things, you know, you look at an atom and, you know, the, the thing that actually gives it its mass, the, the nucleus you know, is such a small infinitesimal spark part of what actually creates the space, you know, it's actually the electron that's jumping around. So there's, there's all kinds of different metaphors and things that you can use around this. But you know, one is, is if we took the earth, and we collapsed it down to actually like the known mass of the nucleus, and, and, and not where the, you know, the electron was jumping around, it would go from the size of the the earth to the size of a basketball. Really? And so, yeah. So we're all much more just like figments of, of potentiality than we are like real matter. And so there's, and the deeper you go, the more you're like, Oh my gosh, it's just like super weird. So, you know, when we kind of like say, when we say that, Hey, if, if if we're so smart that nothing, beyond our ability to rationalize exists like that's super naive yeah you know? yeah yeah. i and mean it, if science doesn't tell us science is constantly out sciencing itself it's like just kidding right. we just discovered we were wrong <laughs> like, right right wonderful right, like right. And that's the that's the fun and that is where like being humble around like i i just think the, the dark matter just the discovery yeah. i mean obviously the discovery was probably 40 years ago but finally the full acceptance that dark matter was here because you can imagine woo, like all the all the scientists that really thought we we understood the nature of space and and the universe like what a what a deeply humbling experience to be like well every model that we have actually now doesn't quite work because now we've got this thing called dark matter out there without getting into a science lesson but it's just that's I if if I had a physics brain, that's something that I just I love it. Like I love space and physics, but like I definitely do not have this scientific rational mind. So or I'm, I'd like to say I'm rational, but not that kind of like the, the specifics. But it just I all I see is just the, the magic and the mystery. Maybe magic's the wrong word, but just the mystery of this universe in general. And then psychedelics really adding more of that mysterious line through what we thought we knew about consciousness. And it's just what an incredible teacher it's going to be for us to understand what is consciousness? Where does it come from? How does it work? And how do now these plants and fungi seem to fit so perfectly into our brain to create new experiences of heightened levels of consciousness? Like what? Right. Incredible. It's incredible. It's yeah, incredible. it's pretty wild. So, and it's are... beyond. It's beyond mind. Yeah. Oh, you totally. Know, that's you know, and that's uh, the mind is really what gets in the way a lot of times for most of us. Yes. And so these 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 plants kind of can can give us these experiences that we feel in our bodies that can be so much more meaningful than the the, loop, the mind loops. Yeah. You know. And yeah, we need more of that. Yeah. The, there's. I feel like there's 
the, the uh, there's a bigger part of us that understands truth, but the mind can never, the mind's like left out of like greater knowledge of the universe on a cellular level, whatever kind of way that there's, there's much, there's much more than we understand, but that the mind is trying to understand what I don't think the mind could ever understand. And so sure. it's like, then you're caught in this forever. And I think that's the, when people talk about let go and surrender, it's let go of that needing to understand. And like, I'm so guilty yeah. of that because I'll, I'll get like these amazing, you know, as people probably heard if they listen to psychedelic podcasts, like downloads, right? Information that just, it's, it's not even like a thought just like comes in. Meanwhile, the thought is trying to understand how, what do you mean? Like, and so that oftentimes creates like that level of purgatory and a trip when you are trying to like understand it from a logical mind space, you're going to find yourself in a, in a, it's not going to be a very fun trip because you're not allowing it to just take you wherever you're meant to go yeah so who is your who are you kind of gearing your retreats for like is it is it around wellness human potential mental health what what's your focus yeah it's 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 definitely well-being right it's Mm -hmm. so it's where do we don't treat anything you know legally we're not even allowed to so you know we're not treating depression or anxiety now, if you're a human, you likely have, you know what those things are and you've experienced them at some point in some, you know, in, in some way, but ours are more, it's like, yeah, it's personal development. It is, it's, it, it, it's folks that are looking to make real change, mm-hmm. right? Like feel like they've been kind of in a rut or something. And they just like, I can't get out of this rut. And they're like, I want to make some change. And I, and I, and I want some help to do it. You know, it's, a lot of folks bring come in for that and i think more people that are also just explorers Mm -hmm. or wanna you know wanna develop more empathy more creativity deepen their relationships you know like go from like most of our folks coming through they're not they're not even on the the extreme end of the trauma spectrum they're like high functioning they're like generally happy mm-hmm. um it's they just want to they want to get better you know yeah. they want to have more love more joy more you know contentment yeah and so it's it's more on that end i love that i love that's a good pocket because it's it's the one we're not hearing as much about right because there's a big emphasis on the clinical side around just mental health and as there should be but it's cool that there is this like other path because people are going to be probably listening to you know, bettering our lives. I think everybody, I, I think everyone, there's still always like a, a seeking of wanting to experience more joy and, and just experience just the, 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 the gift of getting to experience and experience ourselves, experience our own consciousness on a mushroom in an intentional way and allowing that to be what it, what it's going to be. And Sometimes the intention could be to, you know, just surrender to whatever you're meant to know at that time without it being so like, I'm going for this reason. I want to get, you know, I want a more abundant mindset or something, you know, like, and also Mm -hmm. allowing for the greater that your own higher self or whatever you want to call it to be led and to be guided and to allow whatever you're going to, it's going to teach you something. This whole game Mm -hmm. is just about experience, learning lessons like why not i i mean if you don't like i'm very much like a i want to do as much as i can in this earthly body while i got it mm-hmm. yeah and and yep. 
But again, on the personality, I think there's just some people have more of an openness. And and hopefully, though, that psychedelics can start to promote that a little bit more. Because when you start to do more and you start to do the things that make life worth living, you want to live. You want to live. And so this has been such a cool conversation. And I really thank you. It sounds like Beckley Retreats is doing really great work. I can't wait to visit Jamaica at some point. I can't wait to have you down. Oh my God. It's going to be so much fun. And I, I, there was a book I used to read back in like middle school. It's called rule of the bone. And it took place in Jamaica. It was like a coming of age story. And ever since then, since I was like 13, I was like, I want to go to Jamaica. So now I got an excuse and I can do mushrooms. So perfect. Perfect. Very cool. Awesome. Neil, thank you so much again. I'll be sure to link everything about Beckley retreats. Oh, my last question is what do you guys have coming up? What's what's on the horizon? Is uh, are the yeah, retreats coming got, up? We've got programs this fall. Cool. Um, so there's a program in October that's still open. Then we have some programs in November and December. So yeah, it, it, if folks are interested, go to the website Beckley Retreats, and then they can also reach out to me. You know, I I love talking about this stuff and and actually do a lot of the kind of exploratory calls with folks. So awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Great. Well, I'll make sure to link everything. Neil, again, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Awesome. And for everyone, as always, trip on this.